Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Tori Parker, it's a good day to do a podcast with a stranger in your house. It's always a good day to have strangers in the house, especially one with a big woolly beard. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to copy Maddie. apparently. That's the claim <laughs> that everyone's making. Beards are in, aren't they? They've been they in are. for a while now. God, it's good to be a hipster. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I was watching, um, do you ever watch Vice? Like, do you know the, the website Vice? Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, so there's a, this guy, it's called Hamilton Morris, Morris's Pharmacopia, and it's this tall, skinny, long-haired hipster dude, right? Like the quintessential hipster. And he goes, he's actually a scientist, but he's like super into psychedelic drugs and stuff. All oh, right. So then he, uh, he goes, he just vice pay him to travel the world and do all these crazy <laughs> psychedelic drugs and he like breaks down molecules <laughs> and shit. And uh, so he's in the Amazon, right? A full Amazon jungle in the flood. They're taking this canoe through the jungle to get to this ancient like ex-cannibalistic tribe that makes LSD out of frogs. Wow. And the guy wore fucking jeans the entire time, man. Like, if I'm going to somewhere that's that hot, I'm taking some boardies, I'm taking... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not wearing undies. And he just, like, the commitment that hipsters have to pants... To keep going with the hipster look. Or, like, we have a dude that works for us for the film company, and it's, like, 45 degrees, and he wears a fucking beanie. Yeah, that's... Full commitment. He might have no hair. Real bad receding hairline. So. No, he's got hair, but yeah. it's just a thing. Yeah, like right. it's just a, it's just a, uh, just full commitment to the look. Oh, well, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Speaking of hair, have you? What age did you go grey? Oh, what am I now? Thirty. I'm thirty six in May. Mate, I went grey at about twenty seven. Mm. Yeah, I, I did the whole. Uh, let's deny this for a bit and put a little Diet. bit. Yeah, put a few dyes through it, and then I thought, nah, stuff it. And uh, just let it go. Now I'm sort of, it's like a trademark. I'm known for it. The Silver Fox. Yeah, The yeah. NRL Silver Fox. But um, I did things backward when I was, so like from 17 to about 21, I was bald as a badger. Get your razor out and, and shave oh, your head. Oh, really? Yeah. And then from 21 onwards, I started to then grow my hair and I look back at those pictures and think, what was I doing? I've had some regrets in my life. That is sort of up there though. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get on the Google. And you I'm won't recognise me. Is there photos though? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. Look it up. We yeah. might make that like the cover photo <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> um, I remember being a kid. It's kind of showing my age a little bit when you were first playing footy, and um, I'd, I'd go to Dad like first Broncos game of the year. I go, man, is Corey Parker still playing? And Dad's like, he's 28 years yeah, old, yeah. man. I, I become part of the furniture. 
<laughs> Look, I, I was very fortunate. I, I think we mentioned there before. I, I uh, come sort of straight from school and played first grade at 18 and was lucky enough to forge a career that was 16 years long. So I, I uh, retired, uh, well, yes, it's nearly going on two years at the end of this year. So uh, 2016 was my last and, um, yeah, 340-something games for the club. and Kicked a couple goals. Kicked a few goals, scored a few tries and, and had a lot of fun in between. So it was a, a career in, in which I'm looking back at the you know the longer you that you retired and you start to reflect more on because um, that's all you've got now is memories yeah reflection uh, yeah um, yeah I was very satisfied so um, pulling the pin was a tough decision but for me um, it was it was something that I thought long and hard about and, and you can't play forever and there's a you know in, it's funny because you retire but you retire at 34 people say normally when they retire it's like 60, 65, 65 yeah. so. I've still got, you know, quite a long uh, span in life, um, and I was ready to, to go down that path. So everything, uh, everything fell into place for me. I, I'd done everything I, I sort of set out to do in, in rugby league and achieved every goal I had, which was very fortunate. And um, you know, I retired, and it was a very special moment. Yeah, I, I talked to a lot of people. I, I guess I just talked to a lot of athletes, just because that's sort of my line of work. But I always talk to them about people. I think people on the outside, right, they watch a sport and they're like, oh, man, it must be this, it must be that. When you're an athlete, I don't think you actually think about it because it sort of doesn't serve you any purpose in the moment to reflect. And it's sort of a common thing we've talked about a couple of times on here. But was that similar for you? Like, you're not really thinking about the sum of your career while you're in it. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because um, most professional athletes – uh, acknowledge uh, you know their success along the way they don't tend to sit on it for too long and I, I know I never because it's it's like a that feeling you get when you succeed and you, and you get an achievement is so good you just want to do it again and you know if you've got to do it again you've got to put that away and work a lot harder because everyone around you is going to be doing the same thing so um yeah, and you hear so many cliches in sport and in a lot of people in the moment pretty much say yeah oh, look it was great you know but we got yeah, next week. Next week next, and yeah. this, that. And it's not until you do finish, and I suppose it is a great time to then reflect on um, you know, yeah, the career that was. And, and a great time for me to do that was I released an autobiography um, sort of following when, when I retired. And going through the book from pretty much start to finish of your career was um, was a little bit surreal in the sense that, I, you know, if you've ever written a book and you write a book about yourself, um, you know, and then you have to sort of live the relive these memories and and some of the memories you, you sort of you just you just forget about good bad as well um good and bad so it was uh it was sort of nice to go back and reflect and and now now that I'm, i am retired and have been for over 12 months now that's all you've got and and like i found myself watching um an old state of origin game on on the tv the other day and you know i've sort of had that warm sort of fuzzy feeling just watching because i knew the outcome and i knew what everything was yeah. happening but um then to see yourself playing, um, you know, and, and, and you go, geez, yeah, that was good. I, I was able to fulfil that dream of mine. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. How old are your kids? Because you've got four kids. Are, are, were any of them old enough to, like, do you think that, that they'll have a lasting impact of, like, going to your games and, yeah. like, sort of knowing that kind of 
work ethic and what it sort of took to get there yeah i hope so um my, as i mentioned i got four kids i've got a, a daughter memphis she's turning eight this year and, and wiley my son he's turning seven so they were a part of my career for a long period of time and um it's not until they get to about you know five six seven that they really start to understand what dad does um and the the most specialist feeling I, I think for a, an athlete personally speaking anyway to have your kids involved in what you do and to see them have the satisfaction that you have um and, and just some really special moments you know walking around the field after a you know yeah, a, like an origin, origin and, and they're enjoying that, yeah. that 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 time so um but the work ethic and that i, I it's something I, I that's something that was passed down to me from my my parents and something i want to try and pass down to my kids um, because you know it doesn't matter what you do in life you need to work hard at it to be good at it um, hopefully they're old enough to see what I you know sacrificed and did uh, at the time um, for, for them um, but you know you just as a parent to be able to have the kids involved in what you do and you see so often now with with sporting teams etc um, you know to have your kids involved is, is pretty cool I mean my son lived and breathed and still does now rugby league and, yeah, and right. he um you know he'd come in and he'd do everything i did he was like a little mimic um he'd sit down he'd sit in my locker he'd put his boots on and it was really special so um to have that uh was was pretty cool and, and a memory i'll never forget um and and the kids still talk about it now so it's um it, it did have a lasting impression on him. yeah it's um that's definitely something that i think with all the, I guess, the shit rugby league can cop at times, you see those, you know, like Jono with his kids up and doing that and then you with your kids and, every, you know, everyone kind of, their kids come on yeah. the field. And I guess, like, it isn't the headlines when, it, when you're, you know, when you're on the field away from all that shit, like, yeah. it's not, rugby league isn't yeah. that, you know. The unfortunate thing about sport and in particular rugby league in Australia, having, you know, it's, if not in Queensland anyway, the most populated sport. Bad headlines sell papers, bad headlines make um, stories. However, if there was every head, every story out there was put in together, there'd be more better stories outweigh the bad ones that you just wouldn't understand. And and some of the things you've just mentioned, you know, are good stories. Um, I was uh, working with Fox Sports this year. I called a game. Melbourne were playing uh, the Titans at Suncorp. And um, Cameron Smith, obviously kicker for Melbourne Storm, good mate of mine. His son, uh, sorry, his eldest daughter, was running the kicking tee out to him. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty special, yeah. like to have your your daughter or son run out a kicking tee whilst you're um, lining up for a kick. But there's just so many good stories, so many things that happen in 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 our sport, but um, they just don't get published or, or um, you know reported for. Whatever reason, but you've only got to assume it's, it's a reason because they're not going to make a big scene over it. Um, other sports um, have a different demographic and different following um, report on different stories like that. So um, it's, it's a shame because there's so many good stories in our, in, in our game. I think that, like we were talking about the whole psychology side of things before, I think that one of the things that why you always think like why does all the bad always get spoken of instead of the good i think it's like i think there's a mentality where society in society you're supposed to be good mm. you're supposed to be a good dad you're supposed to be uh you know a good person you're not supposed to do drugs you're not mm. supposed to carry on you're not supposed to do all this shit so i think that 
it's sort of a problem because there's a balance gets taken away from like, I guess instead of it being like in the middle is where you're supposed to be and then you get praised for doing something good and you get roused mm. on for doing something bad. It's so leaning towards like, well, you're supposed to be good that it's like you almost don't get the appreciation for when something sort of special does happen because it's like, oh, why aren't you just supposed to be doing that? Yeah, well... And maybe that's not fair in a way. Well, it's not. I mean, to, to some degree, and, and there's a false sense about um, what we do. I mean... We get some of our greatest superstars come in. I mentioned I come in at age 18. Now, I haven't met an 18-year-old that hasn't made mistakes in life from 18 to 21, 22. Yeah. The thing that is, because these people are now on TV um, playing professional rugby league, as you said, they're expected that they're not going to make mistakes. And it's got nothing to do with the game of rugby league. It has something to do with just living life, and, yeah. and, and that's part of it. Um, yes, you try and limit the mistakes, and, and as we all do with people, but um, society is in a point at the moment where you're just going to make mistakes. Um, and, and when these mistakes happen, instead of going, well, you know, why and how and how can we make it better, it's it's in your face and and it's it's just well, it's like uh, a punishment culture it's, that's instead right. of like right. education. Absolutely, and and it's not right um, because it's always going to happen. It doesn't matter what you put in place. And, uh, yeah, yes, you need to put some boundaries and some foundations in place to make sure that um, we can try and limit that. But it's life. Yeah. My parents at age 18 to 23, 24 made mistakes. We all make mistakes. And um, to think that uh, someone's going to come into a sport at, at, at that age and not make mistakes is, you know, is ridiculous. And then I think, like, I'll just move this a bit closer to you. Um, I think too there's a problem with it then becoming like a um like you harbor resentment mm. against like let's say for instance the nrl or the media right so then you get a kid like who's someone that's been in trouble recently we could use it as an example maybe like benji like back in the day when benji marshall was having dramas mm. so then it's like you get a guy and then you punish that guy and then you exploit the fact that he made a mistake mm. And then now that guy's got his back up against the wall, mm. against the media or against the NRL. And it just makes it easier to justify like, oh, well, they already hate me or they already, again, like, let's give them something to write about if they're going to write about something. So I think that you just end up by punishing these young kids that are making mistakes mm. or whatever, you, you end up building up a resentment against mm. them instead of like a trust to, because, you know, when you, you go mad at a kid and like over the top, what they, they get the shits with you. Yeah. But it's like, you know what I mean? It's the, there's, there's got to be like a balance of like, look, mate, you made a mistake. Yeah, this the, is how we fix it. Yeah, look, the, there has to be a balance. Um, and in life and, and society, and particularly in sport, professional sport, we've become so reactive because our main viewers of the sport have an opinion. And yes, they, they're entitled to their opinion, as everyone is. But as governing bodies, we then become reactive to that. Um, now, whether it's right, wrong or indifferent, um, you know, there is always going to be mistakes. And, and it's just how we limit them and how we uh, minimise them to, to ensure that as a code or it doesn't matter what you are, professional athletes, that, um, you know, you, you can get by. I mean, this, the stereotype of rugby league players, particularly in Queensland, um, because of bad um, press, and, yeah, we all got to put our hand up. We're all playing rugby league, but not, all of, not, not everyone is um, or has made some mistakes that they're, um, you know, not proud of. Um, and you know, you just tend to hear more so of 
Um, yeah, the bad. The bad and the good, which is which is unfortunate because there's so many, so many good stories, so many things that you hear with players reaching out to people in need, um, reaching out to kids, reaching out to, you know, people in um, that through some struggles, etc. But we just don't hear of them. And, and players don't do that for the, for the recognition. recognition. Yeah. They do it because they're, they're just good people. Yeah. The, the other thing that's crazy to me as well is like, I don't know how many people really think about it, but it's like, let's think about what you're being celebrated for on the field as a lock forward. Mm. You get in the ball, you're a big <laughs> fucking dude, and you're going to run your body as hard as you can into the other guys, and there's three or four of them in one tackle against you. Yeah. And you're just going to keep driving, you're just going to try and charge your way through, and like, we're going, fuck yeah! <laughs> and then so then like, there's this... There's this thing where it's like, we want you, well, as soon as that whistle blows, to be the hardest yeah. dude in Australia or the hardest yeah. dude in Queensland, smash those New South Welshmen. And then the whistle blows and it's like, oh, no, 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 stop it, yeah. stop that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you've got the, and especially you've got these kids, right? So you look at like a, a Sunny Bill or something. Like for a dude, people don't get like biology wise, for a dude to get that big, yeah. like there's some legitimate testosterone flowing through yeah. that dude's veins. There's some growth hormone that he's naturally producing that's making <laughs> him different to me. Yeah. And it's like where you've put into an arena and celebrated because you're freaks of physical and mental um, of nature in mm. a way. Mm. But then we expect that to just, that to be a tap. And people's like, whatever you've got going on in your life like you're not i don't think a lot of other people are expected to just stop their gift or stop their thing that makes them unique on and off yeah it's a fine line um you know i know some of the toughest guys that have played the game are the most placid off the field but the moment they run across across the line and it's about understanding that on the field you can do whatever you want whatever you want but off the field it's, it's very different um you know it's but that's why we do what we do. I mean, um, it's like an outlet almost. It is, yeah. And, and I've seen guys that have channeled that. But as a, as a punter sitting at home, and you turn your TV on, and you see your, your team or your players that you follow, that's the only time you see them is on mm. the TV. So you don't know, aside from visually looking at the person in you know on the TV, what is you know if there's anything what wrong like, with them yeah. or what is like or. He could be carrying an internal injury. He could be carrying, as as most professional sports people do, they're, they're generally not a hundred percent when they play. Um, there's always something niggling or something happening. You don't know what's happened in everyday life. Um, yet they're expected to go out and fulfil a role. And yes, I, I get that's what they're paid to do and that's their job. From time to time, there is going to be uh, some complications. Uh, whilst that happens, it you know some, a player just might not be on his game or he might be erratic he might be up and down generally well you look at what nate had to deal with with his wife yeah and yeah. then he's expected to go out and play That's like right. be that same dude like or well, why can't you be the nate miles that when his life was great and you and your chick first met and you're uh, as happy as you well ever been, yeah you i mean it, uh, uh, the variables that happen in people's lives that you can't control exactly. have you know have effects um you know particularly when you start having kids um and i know when i first had kids whilst I was playing it was the best thing for me in the sense that when you're young and you're playing professional sport and people are paying you to uh, to, to do that it's the best thing ever and that's and that's great and we all appreciate it when you get a little bit older it's um, it's then your job it becomes your job 
and you want to be the best at your job. You still enjoy playing the game of rugby league because that's why you played when you were an eight-year-old. When you start having kids, it's secondary to what you've got because now family is is first and foremost. Prior to kids, it was um, just the game of rugby league. And and what it did for me was it, it gave me a reason to want to be better and better yeah. in the sense that I had a responsibility to uphold. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about my wife and my kids. Um, and, and I wanted to be the best at what I could be um, for them. And, and if I'm the best at what I can be, obviously there's going to be some, some upside in, the ter- in terms of, of pay and, and, and et cetera. You know, it's a flow on to the kids. And, and that's always been a driving you know, I don't ever want to, um, like I come from a very humble background um, from mum and dad, my sister, um, dad was a truck driver, mum, she worked in the bakery and, and worked very hard. Um, we didn't have everything, but we never went without anything. And I, I, want, to, I want that for my kids as well. So, um, you know, that was a really sort of, I guess, real telling time or de- definitive moment in my career when I started to have kids that I thought, shit, it's not about me anymore. Mm. I need some responsibility, I need some accountability in what I'm doing. And, um, you know, that was, uh, that was probably a really good moment for me. Yeah, I'll, there's like a couple things that like we could bridge off that. It's like, it's got to be a bit of a pickle when you're, you drive to succeed and make money so that your kids can mm. have a better life, right? But then the, a big part of the reason that you were able to succeed in the first place is because you didn't come from a place where you mm. had everything. Mm. So it's like I always, I always feel like there's probably a, a, a balance or that it's, prob- it's, it's got to be a weird trade-off to where for your kids to then have that same drive without the factors that probably initiated your level of drive that you had. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, everyone's very different. Um, but for me, and, and, and still today, if I have... I've got a real um, stubborn uh, personality in the sense that if I get something in my head and I want to achieve it, I'll achieve it. Um, and Or, sorry, I'll do everything I can to try and achieve that. So at the age of eight, when I um, asked mum and dad, can I play rugby league, they said no, and I hounded them and, and I had fun. My parents are old school. If you commit to something, you commit to something. Um, so it wasn't a sense of just go and play one or two games. Oh, I don't really want to play. So I saw out the year, really enjoyed it. Um, when I got to you know, school, 13, 14, 15, when you start to make sort of rep side, et cetera, there's a lot of sacrifices that you need to make. There's a lot of um, external influences. You know, 16-year-old, you, know, you girls, start parties, girls, cars. parties, cars, drugs, alcohol, all that sort of stuff from upwards of 16, 17, 18. Um, for me, and probably more in the areas that you were growing up to, really. Yeah, I grew up in um, uh, in those time at that age. I was in Jimboomba, I was out in Bay Desert areas, so um, you know, it wasn't like walk next door. It was walk, you know, it was up, a couple, the, road, up yeah. the road a couple of k's yeah. to the next property. So, um, but for me, you know, I, I made some sacrifices that at the time, you know, people frowned upon and but I just had to keep that one look in my mind of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do um and looking back you know some of the people that frowned upon me and and cussed me for the you know making you know sorry I can't come or whatever now I sort of look back and go well you know I did the right thing um in in that respect so for kids um for me you know that they you can only sort of 
guide them as much as you can um, and, and, and do what you think is right. Um, but ultimately, they make their own decisions. And, yeah, that's um, right. You know, I was sort of in that boat myself, um, made some decisions and they worked out okay. Yeah. No, that's... I, look, I mean, I made some terrible decisions too, um, but none that sort of impacted me. Yeah, you know, like long-term lasting long, sort yeah. of. So. The other thing, I, I guess, too, is like, so if you... Like when you're a kid, you're like, I just want to play footy. Mm. Like if someone's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. You're like, I just want to play footy. And they're like, no, nah, well, you got to do something. Yeah. And then you're like, no, nah, well, I just want to play footy. Yeah. So then there's sort of a, uh, an aspect of like, one, it's fun. And two, you don't have to go in the real world. You can just keep playing footy yeah. because it's like what you've done your whole life. You're conditioned to do it. You're good at it. It's a routine in your mind of what you expect when you... So it's like, there's a, it's a bit of a bubble that you can keep yourself in. You can make money and then it's devoid of some of the responsibilities mm. of the real world. And I'm sure that when you're, not that, you know, you're irresponsible, but when you're playing footy at like the Broncos and you're winning premierships and then you're playing for Queensland, like shit's getting done for you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, but then I think that when we were talking about like the, um, the way that guys have that responsibility and making bad choices and things like that so it's like on the one hand you're like you're doing this because you you don't really want the responsibility you just want to play footy that's the thing that you've done but then you get into the professional element and then you're on tv and you've got kids looking up to you and kids Mm. coming up like i went up and said g'day to you in a cafe before a game once at that bloody wherever that shopping center is or whatever so you got people like random people coming up to you being like oh good luck tonight mate yeah and it's like that's not necessarily like that you have a responsibility for those fans and you've got a jersey on your back and you've got a, a code of NRL to hold in good light mm, in the public. Mm. So it's like, it's it's sort of a contradiction of like, some guys do it to avoid responsibility, but then they maybe they don't understand how much responsibility does come with pulling that jersey on. Yeah. Well, does that, that catch dudes out? Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, the, the thing, responsibility for me, like if it, once you wear a, a jersey or, or colours of whoever has has signed you, um, that's your responsibility is to uphold the respect that it is held in. Um, you know, outside of that, if you want to degrade yourself and, and your name, that's your responsibility. It's no one else's. But when you pull on a jersey, in particular for me, it was only the Broncos jersey. Um, those fans and those kids and those people that look up to you do that because of that jersey. And then they start to have a following because it's you. Mm. Um, and when you can understand that, when, when you can um, appreciate why people do that, it's really fulfilling and, and self-satisfying. And then you can then you know, go out on your own little sort of uh, tangents and, and, and have your own fan base, which, yeah. is, which is pretty cool, um, which is, off, again, off the back of the jersey that you first put on. Yeah. I mean, when I was played rugby league, as you mentioned, I went from eight, from eight till 17, uh, I, I was playing, I was at school, and life was easy. You go to school. Yeah, you can work back here. What I mean is you go to school, it's, it's nine o'clock, you yeah. finish at three o'clock. You do that s- five days a week, you play club footy on the weekend. Did that till, till And you're good at it. Did that to grade 12. All of a sudden, the real world, I didn't get to see it too much. I, I had to work um, for a year, but ultimately that goal was still wanting to play first grade. I played first grade at What eight. was your first job that you did? I was a turf layer. Um, for Jim Boomer Turf, it was, it was just a job that, we fulfilled, you know, that I filled for 
about six months. And then I went and um, worked for Elgas whilst I was still trying to get my first contract at, at Brisbane. Um, got my contract at Brisbane at 18, played first grade at 18. So now I've gone from school where there's been so, so much structure um, to now being playing first grade, which, again, has so much structure. Yeah. So I still um, haven't had to appreciate in great depth the, the real world, if you want to put it that way. Because you go, I then played from 18 to 34. So for nearly, what's that, 26 years of my life, I've had structure in the sense that I've either gone to school and had me holidays when people say, and then I've played footy and had me holidays when people till nearly 26, 27 years. When I retired, there was a really empty void in the sense that, yes, I had some line of work to step into after, but that structure's, that structure's gone. Yeah. gone. And it, it was a really sort of empty space for me. And, and, I, you know, and people, again, they just they have a perception of you for what they think because of what they see. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, it was it was tough to deal with the first few weeks of after retirement because there was just no structure. It was there was nothing. Yeah. It was just me. Um, so I, the only thing I knew how to get back uh, to to doing uh, was to have some structure, have some routine in your life. Because I'm I'm a very sort of regimented routine. You almost routine. get like militant after yeah. that well, twenty five well, six, six yeah. years. Well, I certainly am, and and so I, mate, I had two weeks off after the season of retirement or my career i suppose and then it was just all my head in so i had to get back to some routine so again since then i've stuck to that routine what is that routine nowadays for you? well for me um just staying jacked again it's very different like i like i get up at five i go for a run i've got a gym here i go for a run i do a little workout um jump in the pool i'm sort of sitting in this very spot by about quarter past six having coffee on my own before the rat race starts when all the kids get up. I then make lunches and do the, the, the kids' hair. Daddy daycare Yeah, stuff, daddy yeah. daycare, do the kids' hair, etc. Um, and, yeah, as much as I sort of think, Jesus this is a you know, boring sort of thing to do, I've never had to do that, really. So yeah, so it'd be pretty It's fresh. now sort of my role yeah. in, in the sense. So it's, it's very different to what used to be. Um, and then, you know, obviously when the footy season starts and I go back on Fox, um, it, it, you know, I'll be away a bit on the weekends. But um, for me, I'm, you know, I'm away f- uh, a few days a week with, I'm sort of in a coaching role now at, at Broncos, which is a, a burning passion for me to, to do. And it makes me feel really good to be able to help people um, and, and, and guide them and, and see their, you know, the fruits when they um, fulfill their, their talent. So, yeah, what we were talking before about you saying like pulling on a jersey and the way that you talk about that, like that's a philosophy. Mm. That's not, I don't think that's something that everyone would just work out on their own. No. And it's like, I was, I was going to say, like, do you have any interest in coaching, even just to pass on that philosophy? Because I think that what, what you, you can get in trouble. And I mean, it's probably you've got it more than others because you've never changed clubs. Mm. So it's like you just you're a bronco, mm. like you're not a bulldog. Yeah, yeah. Then you're a cowboy. Then you're a bronco. Like so, I mean, is that something that there's and there's not a lot of dudes that do that. Yeah. So is that something that you think is almost like a gift that now you can pass on because philosophy is a learned thing. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I am a bronco, and and when you say my name, people associate me with being a bronco. When you when you see people that have you know been to the dragons, been to the bulldogs, been to the 
Gold Coast, being the Broncos, they're just a football player. Mm. And whereas I class myself as a Bronco. So, yeah, philosophies do work. But they, you know, there's... Because I, you know, I'm such a proud Bronco, I, I suppose, um, and the club's been so successful and is, is very proud in terms of Australian sport, um, upholding that respect and, and, and having given, been given the baton to carry for 16 years of playing at the club, now it's my turn to then, you know, hand the baton back. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, whilst I was involved there, you know, I was forever indebted to the club for what he'd given me. Um, and that's how I looked at it. I didn't... If you think... He, one thing I've learnt in rugby league over a long period of time, if you think someone owes you something or the game owes mm. you something, you are very, very mistaken. And some players actually think that at, from time to time, that they're mm. owed something. You're not owed anything. The game goes on. The game, it, the, the game of rugby league is a massive wheel and it'll keep turning with or without you. Yeah. And I don't care, which is why when we... You know, sort of going back when you get bad press and players have done X and players have done Y and players are thinking of going to another sport and there's this big you know hands are in the air you know let them go the yeah. game will keep going the there's game always will keep a kid that wants it absolutely and if you don't want it that's fine no one you know thank you for your service away you go yeah we're not concerned because the game will keep turning I don't know why we invest so much energy and time um, in those areas because. Yeah, as I said, one thing I have learned is, is it'll just keep turning. And if you think the game owes you something, you're very, very mistaken. Yeah. And I think that, that there's definitely like, I mean, with motocross, like that's the sport I've been involved yeah. in the most, right? You see some kids that come out and they're just this sense of entitlement. Yeah. It's like, the fuck have you ever done? Yeah, like yeah. you've done nothing to be entitled. Yeah. And they do think that this needs me it's like man you need that paycheck. that's right you Absolutely. need that job like yep. you can't play football without that platform you can't race supercross without that track in that stadium like you're you're not bigger than the game the game's bigger than you and it might sound like a douchey thing to say to a young kid that's 18 but it's like mate get in line and and i think that that's just society in general the world's going to keep turning whether yeah. you no, whether you right. rock up or not man like that's just how it that's how it goes and and the, i think like you know when you're a superstar kid and like you were saying you know playing footy at school and you know what i mean like you were killing it like you were you would have been a, don't even know back then but you would have been a cool guy you were talented at footy you were hard working you yeah. were probably physically pretty good mm. then like that means that people would naturally gravitate towards like mm. a guy that's in you know it's almost like that leadership yeah. alpha male yeah. role so it's like when you're living in that tiny bubble of like Jim Boomba High School, yeah. then you know you sort of would think that the world turns around you a little bit in a way, or you could it would be easy to think that. Yeah. So it, then it's like you you sort of you have to get humbled. Yeah, you, you, and you do have to get humbled, and you learn that very quick. I learned that very quick when I got to the to the Broncos. I was an 18 year old, as any 18 year old. Sorry, 17 year old when I got there, as any 17 year old that's come from a school that yeah, you are probably the top echelon of, of people excuse yeah. me in terms of you know being at school and I come to a club now with players that I have what, you set, like Webkey well, Webkey Talis Sailor Takiri yeah. Langer Walters these guys a couple of good dudes back then these guys I totally like adored and I get there thinking my shit doesn't stink because that's what you do at 17 and you got that yeah. chip on your shoulder and you, you're starting to go well, places and I've just signed with the Broncos yeah. how good's this and 
one of my philosophies in life prior to that is you hang around good people you'll tend to be a good person and for me I wanted to learn as much as I could off the best of what they did so I parked myself along alongside um, Shane Webke Andrew G these guys that were the best at what they did in their positions and I was in and around that position and they knocked the shit out of me in terms of um, we had a respect for each other but if I was st- out you know starting to step over the line they'd pull me in a line very very quick smart and um, I you know I was very appreciative of them and what they did we we butted heads we had a few fisticuffs but they had my best interest in, at, heart, in, at yeah. heart and they were you know at the back end of their career I was just starting mine um, and they you know they, they took a liking to me and, and really helped me through that period and um, I found myself doing the same to younger players at my back end of my career yeah. and it, you know sort of how, how it sort of gets passed on but um, you, you know you, you do need to find some humble pie it's, it's, it's amazing to see you know uh, sport in general the better you are the more humble you are, because you don't, yeah. know, you don't, no one owes you anything, and you don't owe anything. And you to don't anyone. have anything to prove. You don't have anything to prove because it's all already done. Yeah. And, and a good example of that, for example, Roger Federer, the most humblest of professional sports people you'll see, and then Tomic comes along and thinks everything is owed to him. Well, hang on a second. If if Roger's won twenty Grand Slams and you've done nothing, why does everyone got to? Yeah. It just seems, you know, and, and that's sport. Yeah. I don't know why we think that. Um, you know, Cameron Smith's a good example. He's done everything in the game. Um, but as humble, you know, Darren Lockie was that. So it's it's a very good thing you, you can learn off people. Yeah, look, I, I'm all for the younger generation having some flair and, you know, a little bit um, edgy. But at the end of the day, you need respect. That and, ultimate and, respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, I always think that, man, like, so I know a couple of people that are like, on the just extreme end of wealth, like yeah. just complete bullshit end yeah. of wealth, yeah, yeah. and they, you look at them and they'll be like wearing no no shoes into a corner store to yeah. get some milk and yeah. bread and like driving an old Ute, yeah. and you're like, it blows your mind because yeah. you're like, mate, you have more money yeah. than Jesus. Like, yeah. what are you doing, <laughs> man? Like, I would be doing, but to me, it's like when you, you I don't have that money, so like. If you give me, like, I'd, I think I had something to prove, but you get to, you meet those kind of people and then they're like, they've figured it out that like, oh, this isn't my identity. Mm. This doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't buy, no. it, my identity is not attached to this because I've got it and I figured out that that's not what, yeah. what works. Yeah. But you get those dudes in the middle, they still think that if you just get to there, mm. then that's like problem solved. Yeah. But, so that's why I think when you meet the dudes like, you know, like the Cameron Smiths and the John Owen yourself, and you're at that top echelon, mm. and you're like, "Oh well, this isn't this doesn't this isn't who I am." Yeah. Like being this good at football doesn't make me a good person. It just I'm just this good at football. Yeah, hundred percent. So there's, I think you there's find been that a in, lot of good footballers that aren't good people, as in and, and sport and people in general. There's been some very successful people of all walks of life are the best at what they do, but that doesn't ensure, that doesn't make them good people, mm. um, which I'd rather be recognised or remembered to be, as being a good person uh, uh, over a good footballer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. Do you want me to turn that off? That's, yeah, like, that? that's humming. That's a fan. No fan. I, I thought it was head. a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, I'm not going to tell him to turn to top his clothes on the dryer. Yeah, yeah get rid of that. No, no, hang on. I thought it was a dryer. 
Yeah, right. That's way better. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you were saying like, oh, when you were the young kid or whatever, you'd come in and you're button heads. That's why, like, just sort of when you were saying it, I'm like, that's why it's called a Ford pack. Yeah. Because it, it's a pack of dogs. Like, people, are, we want to make these distinctions of, like, that we're different to, um, we're, like, better than that or whatever, like, society. But it's like, that shit works, man. Yeah. Like, it still works to have a pack mentality Absolutely. of the alpha dog. Yep. And then that young or that young lion wants to try and take down the, the, the king of the pride. It's yep. like, you got to earn that spot. And by the time you get to the take down the king of the pride there's another young lion yeah. coming for you yeah so it's like you know that when you were saying that it really made me think like that's a ford pack yeah no it is and the mentality of of playing a game of rugby and, and we've we've seen it all um you know with, with state of origin there's no bigger concept in in sport in australia than origin um and when the origin starts as you mentioned earlier in the podcast you just want them to bash each other and yeah. keep going and do that oh we just for, get tribal but we do the same. Yeah. That's how that's our mentality of our of our thinking. And and to getting back, we got you know forwards and backs, and, and the pack mentality is we're going to do whatever we can for as long as we can, for as hard as we can against this mob. And if we're to win this game, it's off the back of us. Yeah. Um. And, and that's how as a, as a forward, alpha forward or male, whatever you want to be, that's how you got to go go with it. Yeah. Um. So you can use whatever analogy you like, whether it's a pack of you know wolves or, or what, whatever. End of the day, you got to get the job done. It's got to be aggressive. You have got to be um, assertive. You got to do all those sorts of things. So, um, which is, I suppose, why we love rugby league so much, particularly in the Origin arena. Why is Origin? I mean, I guess I got my own thoughts, but like, why is Origin so special? As a guy that's one of the greats. Yeah. Look, it's um, there's no other. It, it's so special in the sense that there's so much at stake. Um, from what, I played my first Origin match in 2000. But I think that, like, literally, there's not that much at stake in terms of it's, it's a, a game it's of a trophy. It's yeah, a trophy in a game why, of football. So it's why pride. is there so much? Well, it's you know pride. I mean? Yeah, it's pride. It's the the history of Origin, where it all started, um, and and you know when I first played Origin, I played in 2004, um, and. Where Origin is now is absolutely ridiculous. Like the, it's the watched um, televised thing, um, but it's 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 that mentality of we're going to be better than you, and we need to be better than you. Um, and and of late, in the last ten years, the dynasty of Queensland six, um, succeeding. Mate, what is going on with this house? <laughs> you get him, Fido. Yeah. Yeah. Queensland succeeding, you know, has been, you know, a 10-year dominance. But you only remember what you remember. In the early 80s, when it first started, we got pumped. And it was really rubbed into our face. Um, But there's no no better feeling in sport that I've experienced than pulling on a Maroon jersey and running out at Suncorp Stadium, 52,000 people screaming for you, that euphoria, that, that, that adrenaline, that dump that you get when you go out there. And you're not playing for you, first and foremost. You've got your family and you've got 4.9 million people out there. And when you touch and you've been to all those areas, uh, remote areas, because sometimes we get caught in this little bubble that we all live in, that you know, which uh, from time to time happens. But when you go out to like a Longreach or you, you, know, you go up to um, you know, the Cape and, and you see these remote towns that 
don't have much going for them. But come origin time, they got you, that. They've got it. Yeah. So you're not just playing for you. Um, you're playing for all of them. And when you can understand that, that that desire and that burn to succeed is 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 ultimate. And having 17 guys experience that and have one common goal um, is, is no better feeling. And um, it's 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 the best um, stage to to be involved in. Does your physical um like you, your own self care mechanism mm. does that go out the window in mm. origin like yeah. is that is that a, a rare sort of stage where that happens or does well, that happen in like, club games yeah, as well yeah look i, I like it? to think personally that happened in club games as well for me um last thing i wanted to do was let me mates down and, and, and it's, it's just something that sticks with you and playing a game of footy if you're injured you'd still want to fight on um you'd have that that gladiatorial mentality of just keep pushing on here in origin we've seen it time and time again players just push like through Jono this year yeah players push through um you know extreme injuries to try and succeed for their ultimately their mate that's and that's the difference i think personally um with queensland and new south wales is yeah, there's been. Yeah, I do a lot of luncheons, etc. And people say, "Yeah, and the Queensland news say, well, what's it all like? What, you know, why are Queensland better? Queensland aren't better in terms of talent. Yes, we got some good players, but geez, they got some good they players some as good, well. Yeah. Do we have a better game plan? Probably not. Do they have a better game plan? Probably not. It's very much the same. You got to dilute it down. Why do we want to win? We want to win because we want to do it for our mate. And that's been a, a philosophy of Queenslanders for a long period of time. New South Wales want to win, personally, or try to win for themselves. If if Queensland win, no one cares who gets man of the match. No one cares mm. internally who gets a rating of whatever in the paper. No one, no one cares. New South Wales, I know for a fact, you know, some individuals, they want to be that... The star. Bit. They want to be the star. They want to be the man of the match. They want to be the, the best player on the team. And sometimes that that comes negative in terms of how you're playing. They've changed a lot of personnel over the last sort of two years, and that's very start uh, much starting to swing. But once they get that, it's going to be you know. And they're so close. They're so close yeah. to games. Um, there's been a few blowouts, but generally they're so close. But if you have to find one definitive answer on what I think Queensland have been more dominant is because you just don't want to let the mates down. And if you can have that mentality, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you, if, if, if you don't want to let your mate down, you won't. Yeah. And let's break that down further then, right? Because if you look at um, the just the geography of Queensland versus New South Wales, so like you just said, you go up to like Longreach and you go up the Cape and like I'm from Cairns, mm. like you you'd some more... It's underdeveloped. I think Queensland in general has like an underdog mentality, even when it comes to like parliament politics, yeah. uh, government funding. I think that if you, you know, you look at New South Wales has Sydney, which is like the flagship yeah. city in Australia, biggest cities. We've got Brisbane's a, our only big city in Queensland, really. And mm. then from there, you know, so I mean, I guess in terms of just like a... Um, the way that culture's sort of structured here, do we just naturally harbour that underdog mentality? I think subconsciously we do, without 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 even uh, being aware of it. Um, yes, yeah, there is the big the big you know the lights in Sydney, and there, there is all this stuff happening. But I think Queenslanders, on a whole, subconsciously do 
everyone loves an underdog. Um, and, and for a long period of time there, we had that tag of being the underdogs and, um, you know, defying the odds and, and, and that just galvanises the group and gal- galvanises the state. I haven't seen a state, and I've been first-hand in, in a lot of this stuff, galvanised together more than Queensland do. You know, we look at the floods in 211. Uh, mm. I was up to my knee in sludge um, in, in Orkinflower uh, in Brisbane City, you know, rubbing shoulders with someone I'd never known. And then you get talking and, and they got a hell of a story. But together, you're there doing it, uh, you know, because, you, you know, you're Queenslanders and you're doing yep. that. And, and, you know, so that two individuals or two randoms just meeting, galvanised together and then, you know, has that, that common cause. Yeah, so bring it into a, a game of rugby league, take out all the um, the technical stuff about the game of rugby league and bring in emotion and all of a sudden you're there because you can play. You don't need to be yeah, coached. You know, everyone can. You don't yeah. need to be coached. You don't need an overcomplicated game plan. But if you can bring emotion in and have a common goal for that, um, it's it's pretty special. Like you get the hairs up on you. You know, you get the goosebumps. Um, you know, game plan is very simple. But you're mainly playing on emotion based on you know for the state. And you can see like in state of origin games where it's just like, yeah. For example, you got like the Ford Pack will just like. Mm. bash uh well like at the start of the game like new south wales they got their big man and like for feeder and they're just like pumping and pumping you're on the back foot and you're on the back foot but there's like this it's like the you know the spartan thing where you've just got your shield up and everyone's just trying yeah, to like yeah. take it and it's like it it sort of it sort of doesn't matter what happens in that first 40 no in state of origin and it's like it's who can really go that extra mile That's and right. like you just see yeah, there's just so many, and I mean, we're both two Queenslanders yeah. in Brisbane talking yeah. about State of Origin, so obviously we're going to have this point of view. Yeah. But like, you know, some of my fondest memories are like, you know, Talis just throwing dudes across sidelines yeah. and it's that last ditch, like and they're going to score, but all it takes is it, it'd be easier to trip and fall so that you don't have to chase a dude down the field <laughs> than to actually do it yeah. but there's just something in that queensland mentality and you can see it over and over and over yeah and in any big game whether it be an origin game test match or a grand final they will, the game will come down to a special play and um you know you you can nearly press pause on the screen and say that is the special play and that's going to be a defining moment in this game yeah um you know, and there's some special players that come up with special plays. They might not be the flashiest, they might not get all the headlines, but they'll come up with something. A last-ditch tackle, last-ditch effort, they were, they were not required to be there, but they were there yeah. um, and, and stopped whatever. And, 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 you know, they can't be coached. They can't be enforced. It's, it comes within. Yeah, and um, deep. And like deep. Way within. deeper than other when, when When you're out in an origin field and... It's the seventy-first minute, and it's twelve all, and you're coming off your own line. Your lungs are hurting, everything's aching. Um, you just want to look around and think, "Well, he'll take the run, and he'll yeah. do that." But you don't. You take it upon yourself, and and you know you you, you charge the ball forward. You do what you can do as, as hard as you can, and there just might be at some stage half a sniff, half a gap, half a quicker play of the ball than normal. And then those guys that get all the headlines or or, or the like, they'll spring. That's when they step. They'll up. spring to life and they'll do what they do. But 
Um, generally, it's it's off the back of you know some pretty hard work or, or a special play from someone. Um, you know, and it's individually in, in a seventeen man environment, everyone knows that. But um, you know, if you're just a punter watching the TV, you only see the end result. Um, but yeah, it, it's. It's it, it, as I said, it can't be coached. It can't be. It just comes within, and it's off. And you're playing on that passion. By that stage, you're yeah, playing. It's all on, you got. It, you it's don't all have you legs got. Left. You no, don't have there's nothing left. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was talking to a friend of mine I grew up with. He played a couple games first grade for the cows, and then he busted his shoulder. And um, we were, we always talk about Jono. Like we grew up playing footy together whole yeah. life from when we were five. And we'd always talk about Jono, and he played with him, and what it, like he got a couple games, and I think the year that. I think the year that Jono, like, did he do his knee or something? Or he, he and he got injured, and Brandon was in like a little, little injury squad with him and and Matty Bowen. Yeah. And then so he sort of got to know him, and and we were talking, and he just said like, you don't understand the off the ball stuff that Jono does. Mm, crazy. And it's like you, you like you were just. It. I guess it's just general. I don't think people would understand the work that goes into the Ford pack as a whole. But yeah. then you know, you like you said that special player like Jono. Like, if we want to talk about, like, the Super Bowl was a couple of days ago, and they talk about Tom Brady being, like, mm. the best mm. team athlete of all time, what it, why, or what is the criteria that you would place on the greatest of all time in a team sport? Like, what is it that makes that guy? Well, yeah, it's, it's very different for everyone. Um, ultimately... Yeah, they, they they talk about Brady being the best because he's got seven rings. Um, you know, if if our sport was in America, we're talking about the John Thurstons and the Darren Lockyers and the Cameron Smiths being the best. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you get judged on your success. That's how everything's judged. And, um, and that's, I guess, what I that's sort of what I meant because, like, if what we see on TV and what like Gus Gould see and mm. who oh, who's a dude that does a thing with Benny Ike and I think that Paul Kent he's a pretty good journalist I reckon yeah. for footy but he's not on the field no so you can't hear the off the ball stuff yeah. you can see the on the ball stuff and when you get a pull back view yeah. you can see it so like that's what for me to sit there and say like like your criteria would be different for the guys like us that are watching it on TV or even those industry yeah. dudes so it's like what as a player what's your criteria yeah well the thing yeah well John would be the first to say though um, and, and I'm sure Brady would be the first to say, and they're very different sports, but Jono can't do what he does if he doesn't have 16 other guys doing what their job is to do, yep. if that makes sense. Jono, um, you know, just using him as an example, players can't be the clutch player they are if other players don't help him in that regard. They don't just win it on their own. Yeah, you know, They don't do it by themselves. Um uh, but you know the off the ball stuff like you mentioned like alpha males in particular and being involved with the uh, origin side like i hate losing like i despise it hate losing whether it's a ping pong game whether it's whatever it is john is the same and you'll see evidence of in games of that you know he hates losing so he'll do whatever he can and whatever physically he can do possible to to ensure that he doesn't yes he's going to fail from 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 time to time um but ultimately it's it's that don't want to lose and believing in yourself that doesn't matter what the score is or how much time we got left i'm going to win i'm going to win 
Um, whereas some people have that mentality of, oh, well, the game's finished. So we're not going to win. We're 14 points behind and 20 minutes to go. Yeah. Like the the thought of I'm not going to lose comes does that, that winners don't don't think like that. Um, the grand final in 15 was a great example. It was a terrific match. Um, we we're on the losing side. They win an extra time. Johnny kicks a field goal. Um, you know, I'm sure during that game... Got goosebumps, mate, as a yeah. Cows fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure during that game, um, you know, there would have been times where they thought, geez, it's going to be tough. But Johnny, you know, he would have thought, I'm not gonna win. Uh, we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose. And um, you sort of felt where I was. Could sort of feel us just losing grip a fraction. I thought we're doing enough to hang on. We're going to do enough to hang but on and get the job that's done. That's not the mentality you want to take into the last. Well, that, we couldn't change. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a, it, it was like you're hanging on a rope and you, yeah. you, you just you know you you know you're slipping, but you just sort of, and um, yeah. And that, it's not because you're not giving it everything. No, you've got. that's it's right. Like what it's you've just, got isn't good enough at the yeah, time. That, yeah, that's that's right. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, professional sports people and the ones that the you know again, I, I go to the games like, you know, tennis for me, I don't love the game of tennis, um, but I really appreciate, you know, being going to a five setter, yeah. being in 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 the game for five hours. It's it's one in the morning. You started at seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, you're into a tie break. It's you and you versus him. Yeah. You know, just 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 let it go yeah not that i'd be thinking that but they yeah the, it's they, a battle of it's a, a battle attrition, of, yeah like absolutely mental attrition yeah. absolutely um and, and footy's no different um and you know so you, you won't win a game in the first 20 minutes but you can lose a game um but yeah it's it's yeah you know, that's why we all love sport yeah I, I was literally about to say that's why you watch it because i, I think it's so natural like i always think about before we had like modern society or whatever, mm. you took the easy way out. Oh, if there's an easy you option, had to survive. Yeah, like you, uh, you didn't want to. If you could walk around a mountain, you walk would. around it. Absolutely. And, what's and, the point? And mentally, that's that's how humans are wired. But now we don't have to survive anymore. Like you can go into the gym. Like say you're a yeah. Neanderthal dude, and you're like you've got a couple of rocks there. And you know you've got to go out and kill something to yeah. eat it for the night. And you've got these rocks and you're like, oh, I could get a bit stronger. Yeah. But like, fuck, I might not be able to go kill that. Yeah. Wolf might die. But now we don't have that. So now you're seeing like this mental side of that's like a, it's a new battleground. And it's, that's why there's not everyone playing sport because so many people are still wired to take that easy way yeah. out and just let go of that rope when, they, when it's burning their hands. But then you get the breed of guys like yourselves mm. and... and you know, then, you know, like the you, the Jonos, the, mm. those those leader dudes like that alpha male, there's a mentality that's it almost goes against what, like, you, what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. And I think that's why we're captivated. Yeah. Well, it, that, that is why. Um, and look, the game and, and athletes, because of what's, you know, at their doorstep now, are getting bigger and stronger and faster, but it, they still don't. Yeah. They still got to have it wired up there. Um, well, that's like if you look at straight, you know, physical physicality mm. or whatever. Like Jared Haynes should score a try every time he mm. touches the ball, mm. kind of thing. Or there, there is guys like that mm. that they are just those physical freaks. Freaks, yeah. And you know, like you, you can't touch what they do physically. You can't. But then 
if they don't have that mental side of it, the guy that's just going to hit him around the ankles and hold on for dear life and never let go yeah. of that guy, even if it kills him, yeah. he's going to make the tackle. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a classic saying. I mean, um, hard work will beat talent if talent doesn't want to work hard. And it doesn't matter what you do, who you are. If you and and you know, I've seen some of the most talented footballers just get left by the wayside because they don't want to work hard. Yeah. At the end of the day, they, you need hard work to succeed. And, you know, the ones that succeed at the top and the ones that are spoken about have put in enormous amounts of hard work. Um, and, and, you know, in, in all sports. I mean, people, you know, I, I watch um, a lot of car racing. I watch a lot of, you know, extreme sports. I love the, the V8s. And people go, they just sit in a car and drive around. Like, how hard can it be? Well... Go try yeah. and go, go try and get the quickest lap time at any go kart track and but that, see yeah, how. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's it's hard work. It's not just sit there and and drive. That's yeah. We all do that on day to day basis. But you know, push your body to the limit, push the the, the machine to the limit, etc. Or you know, you're on a motorbike or you know, Toby Price. You, you know, you're doing the Dakar. It, it, people just don't understand. It's, yeah. And and that's fine. But um, you know, when you do, you start to appreciate it. I mean, you know. Again, when you watch TV, you just see what you see. Yep. You don't see what's behind it. And, and because we live in a day-to-day basis, you forget to some degree what was behind them. Um, you know, players that have come back from, you know, injuries that they should never have come back from, mm. um, but, are, but are there. And, and, or that and, most people wouldn't even want to come or, back from. Or most people, you know, but they're there again. Um, and, and, you know, you get to the end of their career and some of them are, have, you know, injuries that they're going to have for the remainder of their life well you know if the game you know that, that's just what the game does and, and the gladiatorial style that we play it and, and understand it and know it um you know that's that, that's what we are i think too like i, I sort of do think about that like because i stopped racing motocross because I'd, I'd get hurt right mm. and i was just like look it's gonna be i wasn't gonna ever be pro and this was gonna affect my ability to make money it was mm. gonna like yeah. you know it's it's to me it's not worth it but then if you look at a guy well like you know say for yourself like you're putting your body on the line every single weekend like mm. we've seen dudes die playing footy it's mm. not regular mm. but yep. you know you get spinal injuries and things yep. like that and then you think there and with like my mentality like why would you do it but i think so many people struggle for just purpose in general mm. in life to where it's like find something that really fulfills them and then I, I think that it's not maybe until recently that I started thinking about it. it's like people are looking for purpose and then rugby league gives you a per- or, or sport, even though, yes, yeah. there's that risk that every time you get in the car, every time you get in the bike, every time you get on the field, you can get hurt. But it's like, what's, what's worse, living a life without purpose or losing your life yeah, through that, purpose? Look, yeah, you thing. could have said it better. I mean, a lot of sport um, is an outlet. And if, you know, we all come from different walks of life and we've all got a different story to tell, um, but ultimately at a professional level, you know, you're doing it because it makes you feel good. Yeah. You're not doing it for anyone else. And if you're doing it for anyone else, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and the sport will find you out very, very, very uh, quickly. Um, but purpose is, what you said is spot on. It's exactly why we do what we do. Um, without purpose, even if you're not playing, um, professional sport you're going to struggle yeah and it's going to be tough um and you know it, you know fortunately for professional athletes 
Um, that purpose able, is right there in front of you. The purpose is right there in front of you. It has yeah. been for, you know, could be one or two years, or in my case, it was 16 years. Um, so, um, it was, you know, I was very fortunate in that regard, but it's uh, now that you're spot on. Yeah, I think that um, I get asked when with people like, oh, how'd you move away? How'd this happen? And like, you know, moving to different countries and things like that. Like, and they were like, oh, what were your parents what like with this? And I just, I always tell people like, my parents never made me feel bad about being passionate, mm. even if it looks silly. Because mm. things I was doing as a kid look silly mm. to people because I was so, like, I, I didn't care about school mm. at all. Like, mm. I was terrible at school. I was smart, but I wasn't good at school. But what I would do is if something come up where there was, like, something I was passionate about or there was, like, an outlet for that passion to be kind yeah. of put on, you'd succeed, like... Yeah. Like it was like you, and then people would like the teachers, for example, with school, they'd go, Oh, why can't you do that with everything else? Yeah. Like, cause I don't give a shit about counting. That's right. You know what I mean? Like that, that, I don't care about that. So I think that that's a, people should need to find their passion. It, it just across the board because life becomes so much easier when you're truly passionate about something, yep. even if it's ridiculous. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't matter what you do. Um, you know, if you're doing it, if you're a butcher and, you, you're getting paid and that's what you got to do because that's how you feed your family and pay your bills. But if you're very passionate about something else, you just got to follow that. And it's hard for some people. Like for me, I got a real passion, um, as I mentioned earlier, about coaching, um, which I'm, 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 I'm doing at the moment. Um, and, and I haven't had the feeling I got last year when I was helping uh, players you know, with, with coaching was uh you know was a secondary feeling to i suppose like it almost want. filled that void for you yeah yeah because yeah. um, it had purpose if i if i was no good at it that's fine but you know i feel i got a bit to offer and i, I get really satisfied and get that real warm fuzzy feeling and the thing with coaching that i've learned in, in a short space of time is you know you might have the team you might have you know 13 or 14 of the 17 playing at their very very ultimate best but there's always room for improvement like yep. you could be when you could be undefeated out of 10 games but you still got room for improvement which is so satisfying yeah um, for me um but yeah as you mentioned like the passion if you don't have passion it doesn't matter what you do you you, you might get by but um you, at the end of the day you're not going to be fulfilled yeah i think it's like i've always found it easy to be passionate about stuff mm. and then i see other people they just find it harder just to even know what they want, which I, I, I can't relate to. So I find it hard to comment on, but I wish I could, maybe you've got a comment for it because yeah, I, I wish I could like give people advice of how to find something they're passionate about. But I, I think the biggest thing that I can put it down to is, or like I tell people if they're like, someone says to me like, Oh, I don't know what I want. And I say, well, do you know what you don't want? Because you can do 500 things mm. that you don't want to do. And all you've done, it might seem pointless, but all you've done is eliminate yeah. 500 things yeah. that are out of the possible billion things you could do. But I, yeah, I mean, I struggle to tell people like how to find something to be passionate about. I don't, maybe you've got something, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you, you can, I mean, the individual has to find what they're passionate about. Um, some take longer than others. For me... I, I remember, like, I was eight. My next next door neighbour was playing rugby league, and I went and played. I enjoyed it. Um, in '92, I was sitting in my lounge room. The Broncos had just won their their premiership. Um, I was in, dressed in me colours because I was 
it was I uh, seven, eight years old, nine years old, something like that, ten. And um, I was, you know, I enjoyed the sport and I loved what I was doing. I get to play with my mates. How good is this? But it, when the Broncos won their comp, you know, my parents said, me, do you want to go to the airport and see the team come back? That was when oh, it was, no it was back when it was in a, on a Sunday. And um, I was like, yeah, absolutely. It was, oh, a real, it was a real defining moment for me. I was standing at the airport. The Broncos bus was parked outside. I was standing right next to it. Like it was, I was the, the first guy. And here's these guys, Alfie and Kevy. Um, well, here I was, 10 years old or whatever it was, um, and they bring them back to Winfield Shield and Winfield Cup, sorry. And I got to touch these guys. At that point, I had a desire then that I was just wanted to, all I wanted to do was play rugby league for the Brisbane Broncos. That's all I wanted to do. I got to touch these guys. I actually got sort of shunted onto the first step of the bus. And I tell that story because for me, that passion started for me that was the spark that, that was it right then and there for me that was the spark and i never lost sight of that that moment for me and you know as it turns out like alf and, and kevy and that are good mates and i got to play with these guys and i tell them i've told the story to them about that you know and when we won the comp you know there might have been a young kid that i'd sort of mm. touched or, or been around and and you know when i was playing i've seen some photos that guys that I had played with, that I had had photos with at, you know, clinics, and they were only little, and I was an older, you know, so it's mm. it's pretty cool. But that, you know, that passion for me started that day, and um, you know, it just it's something that st- that stayed with me. But for for people in general, um, you, you you do need passion because that's why we live. That's you know, otherwise you just float along, and um, and some people might be happy to do that, but it's certainly not how I um, see. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy story because there's a there was a news thing i remember years ago of like a guy was terminally ill and then you went was it you went to like toowoomba or something to mm. like see this guy mm. and that was all he wanted was you to like to meet a bronco mm. and then he actually asked everyone to wear broncos colors to his funeral yeah and it, it was so like that's crazy to me that football can have such a big impact on people's lives and i didn't know the story you just told so i mean it's similar like you're sitting there in your colors you see the grand final like you're compelled to go and do that so i mean i guess did that make it easy for you then when you know something like that comes up and i'm sure you've done a million things like that but just to to go and do something like that because i guess you are a product of that kind of um i guess that kind of um action yeah i just got goosebumps when you said that i mean (laughs) From time to time, you, you know, you go and visit sick kids in in, in hospitals, and and you know, you, you do a lot of those those things. But this guy was a he was an older man. Um, when I say older, he was only in the sort of early fifties to mid fifties. Um, had a family. I still remember it. Walked into his house. He he um, he, he, he had went to the doctor with a just a, a stomach sort of. You just felt unwell. Um, hard worker. You know. Um, a family as, as I mentioned and the, the doctor sort of had gave him a test and, and pretty much said you know you've got X amount of time to live so obviously a big shock in their their world he come home um, and, and did the treatments etc I went and seen him um, or I got sort of reached out to and thought yeah absolutely i went and seen him and i still remember i walked in the front door it was a little four-bedroom house um walked in the front door 
they'd moved the bed out to the TV because he used to like to watch yeah. the TV, didn't have a TV in the room. He was sitting on the TV, all the family were there, there was Broncos paraphernalia everywhere, there was Maroon stuff. And he was sitting there on his couch. He didn't know we were coming. Myself and, and a staff member went, and he didn't know I was coming, And um, because if he knew, he would have been embarrassed, which is what the daughter had said to me. Uh. I turned up, would have had a, a, you know, a little conversation, but sometimes... We, uh, I was there for about, I don't know, 45 minutes and um, just sat there and he knew I was there. I'd ask him a few questions. He'd give me a couple of cheeky replies. But that moment for me was really special in the sense that he's a young man or in terms of life. Yeah. Um, you know, early 50s. Um, he was, there was no turning back for him and his family were there and he was a you know, Broncos fan. But for me to, to be able to do that for him was so special and I felt so good afterwards but put everything into perspective as well when you think you know when you think you got you're doing it tough and you think yeah you know you just go hang on a minute like there's people out there that are doing a lot worse than, than what I am and um that was a, that was a really sort of um, good reality check in terms of life really um you know if everyone stood in the, everyone in the world stood in the corner uh, in a circle and put their problems in you'd pull your yours out that quick it wasn't funny um, but for me, that that was a really sort of special moment, and um, yeah, I don't know how it made it to the paper, but I, I think the daughter had let somebody know. But again, I did it You're not for no other reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, another time that I'd felt really good about what I did was uh, grand final two fifteen. I had two grand final tickets, and um, I was obviously playing, so I didn't need them. And um, I rang. Uh, we're in Sydney at the time so I rang the children's hospital in Sydney and had spoken to a lady about if there was any Bronco fans and um, she said that uh, this this um, boy had been readmitted he'd, um, with his you know, massive fan he'd just come back so I, I left two uh, two tickets to the grand final for this boy and his dad I'd never met the guy I'd never you know, never touched, uh, touched base since but I knew personally that these Dying, or not dying. He wasn't dying. These avid fans, yep. dying fans. Pardon the pun. Um, fans were going to go to the grand final. He was going to have the best time of his life with his with his parent. Mm. Uh, I thought, that just made me feel so good. But I didn't do it for any other reason than the fact that you know you can just try and if you can influence someone's life because of what you've done, why don't you, know, mm. you do it? It's 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 really self satisfying. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. It's just like it's crazy that to me that you were that kid as well oh, absolutely and, but when, but never lose sight of that yeah that that's what like, i'm saying like I, f- I, you don't think that you were that kid you just yeah. see Corey parker that's right and, and that's and, and that's why you know we all live in the now we don't you know i was that kid yeah yeah you know, we've all got a story to tell and I, and I love hearing people's stories in the sense that we all come from different walks of life um like i i, I met you an hour and a half ago yeah and you know you've at the early 18 you moved over to the states you've been there for eight years like that's a story like you're doing this and doing that like that's that's cool and everyone's got a story but you know we all think our own sort of story from time is more important and we just worry about ourselves whereas you know if you sort of delve into some people you know what's your story there's some really special ones out there well that's the thing before when we were talking about um how the media sort of goes those headlines right because yeah. they're that's easy yeah 
that's why I love doing podcasts mm. because we've got time, man. Yeah, you're and not, yeah. There is a, like, you're right, everyone does have a story and there is, there is good stories, but you're not just going to stumble across, oh, fuck, that was sick in like yeah. the first five seconds. Yeah. Like, you've been, you know, we've been talking in an hour yeah. and you, it's a slow thing of like, you know, like you said, there's memories that come up and, mm. and that, like I was saying before, I, I enjoyed the podcast format and doing them because I'm learning about what I'm like I'm forming my opinion as I'm saying it. Yeah. And if you don't sit down with people and have a real conversation, you don't have the right to form an opinion of of such. Yeah, well it's hard in general because like you sort of you're you're in your head, you might be thinking about it, mm. but you're not really I don't know. For me it's like I can really start to develop something and I can put it out there and then you can have your thing and I can so it's like and yeah, I, I think that's and, and anyway, you end up getting to something good eventually mm. Mm. and it's a slow build, but it's easier if you want something to just talk about instantly, you go, oh, did you hear old mate got done yeah. pissing in his yeah. mouth or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. that's easy. Yeah. Like we're straight there. Yes, no, you're right. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's have a conversation. We'll get somewhere eventually. Yeah. It's just not, it takes a bit more work than, than the, uh, the easy headline grab. Well, that's right. Um, and, and mate, I, I love the, the the podcast format because of you know you can just sit around and just talk, mm. and you know if, if you want to listen, listen. If you don't, you don't. There's no there's no hitch. Um, and and like you say, um, you know, you might be slow and hearing some stuff that you've already heard, but then generally you hear some stuff that you have never heard. And, yeah. Um, yeah. What um we'll talk about the V eight stuff. Mm. When did you like? Have you just always been a fan? Yeah. Like, you've always been a head or yeah, always been a fan. I race go karts. I've always been around cars um, my whole life, actually. Um, but I raced karts when I was little, and um, as I mentioned before, didn't have everything, but didn't have, didn't go without. And as you can expect, racing karts and playing footy um, got to a point where I was sixteen, yeah, and mum said, "Mum and dad said you're gonna have to pick something here." Um, they financially couldn't support both. Um, so I went the, the football path and sort of thought, well, if I want to go back after playing footy, I, I probably could. So I went down the football path, but I've always still had cars, you know, built hot rods and, 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 and the like, and um, always sort of been a fan of the, of the V8s. And I got uh, sort of, when you start to, particularly in Brisbane, be good at, uh, at footy and playing for the Broncos. Um, you sort of cross code, and you know, you, you, from time to time, you might bump into some people at mm. some events, etc. Um, Chaz Mostert's a, a, a mate of mine that he's a terror, <laughs> but, a su- but a super talent. <laughs> what a legend! Yeah. Man. So my my, my, my affiliation with him, he had a big crash, obviously at Bathurst, and um, he, he was texting. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact <laughs> on the text you <laughs> on the tune yeah he, uh, he had a big crash and I, I sort of reached out to him he's from around the area and um you know I was he said you know he was doing it tough he really was and just sort of said mate you know you know it's part of professional sport and you know keep you know all this sort of positive stuff anyway from that so you just randomly reached out to him or I re- I re- before no no I, I randomly meet, reached out to him so I slid um, into the DMs. Slid into the DMs. That's right, and we and away we went. And um, yeah, from that we've we formed a relationship. I mean, Chaz comes over here and trains uh, in the gym, and um, I, I had a conversation with him um, uh, 
sort of last year and he's transformed himself he, mm. he dropped like 15 kilos and i just sort of said to him in the from a not a, uh, an experience from what i had learned i said mate you you super at, at the talent you've got and, and what you are and you can get away with that when you're young but when you're a bit older you need to mm. you know um, really iron out what it is that you are and 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 you know for him you know i said mate if, if you're sort of winning time to time how would it be if you actually ticked every box you could tick along the way? You know, you, then you form consistency and et cetera. And, um, you know, and, and look, to his credit, he's, you know, he's changed a lot of things. Yeah, massively. Um, and, and I think we saw that this year in, in terms of his results. Yeah, the car let him down a few times and vice versa. But, um, you know, for me, it was just reaching out to him because, um, you know, I wanted to and I, and I sort of... I liked him as a as a person. He was from around the area, and and we just formed a relationship. And um, you know, like I said, he, he comes over and, and trains when he can, and and yeah. So you you're obviously like a natural mentor, natural leader kind of guy. Like, is that something that um, you think that come because of being around other great leaders, and then that sort of just rubbed off, and maybe you saw the value of like a Shane Webke mm. kind of guy or do you think that even if football wasn't a thing like you'd still feel like a, a, a duty to yeah. you know, help people in, well, in that way? I'd like to think that if I wasn't at football I'd still the, class myself as somewhat of a leader um, but because I did play football and I had that that I, I guess um, or the runs on the board in that regard when I spoke to, to other people they sort of listened but that doesn't, that, that doesn't make you a leader. Um, for me, it was just about being um, you know, a good person. And, and well, you've got to genuinely care about people to even be have any kind of effect. Because I guess lead, that's the difference between like leadership and tyranny. Yeah. Leadership is something that it, it comes out, you have to have a respect for the person mm. to even initiate it. And then that person has to have a respect for you. Yeah to take it on board and if you're just a dictator then you're like there's no respect in that so i guess obviously you're a compassionate person to even want to you know kind of give that to people yeah yeah well, look i mean just on the on the chaz the chaz like i, I like the, the sport and i liked him and he's from around the area you know so there's a lot of a lot of likes before we'd sort of really mm. um met really um but just the sport in general, and, and we all go through different um, ups and downs. That was certainly a downtime for him, and I thought if I can, you know, give him some positive feedback, well, you know, I might just help him a, a little bit. And we just formed a, a relationship, and it's something that's sort of grown from from then. But um, you know, my passion also for, as I mentioned before, was rugby league. All I ever wanted to be as a kid was play rugby league or, or a race car driver. That was it. That's all I had fixated in my mind. And um, fortunately, I was able to succeed at, at one of them. Um, but I always said, I always said whilst I was playing rugby league, um, if I, if someone come up to me and said, here's a two or three year contract to go and race cars and walk away from rugby league, I was gone. I was Are out. you a good car driver? I like to think so. I like to think so. Have you done much, um, like, because you're doing stuff for V8s yeah. in terms of the media side of it? Have you been in a car and have you done Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have been in the car. And um, Chaz and I went to the go kart track with, a, with another mate uh, not long ago, which was a very comical experience, as you can <laughs> imagine. 
a few alpha males trying to go head to head. He's the he, he was our lose lose. He was always going to win. Yeah. But um, funny story out of that. It was just after a lot of rain, and um, I sort of got squeezed wide and pushed. When there's only three of you on a track, there's a lot of argy bargy. Yeah. And uh, I got pushed wide, and then we were coming up to a hairpin. So I thought, oh, I'll I'll just going to cut straight across here. What I couldn't see was, as I said, there, there had been some rain, but there was uh, about an inch of water. Oh. I've hit this water and shit has gone all over me. I had to drive back because <laughs> we, we left from here. I had to drive back and meet jocks and the two <laughs> boys. Uh, it was a pretty funny experience. But, yeah, look, it's, it's good fun. I mean, I, I'd love to, to go racing, but um, it's, yeah, you know, circumstance at the moment it, yeah. it hasn't foreseen that. But Go up, mate. You know, grow up. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I've got all the toys in the shed, so. <laughs> we um we went to that. Have you been to Slideways in Narang? No. Dude, we got to go. Yeah. Like, me, you, Chaz, Toby, like, we'll get the boys yeah. together. We went there with Chaz and, like, I, me and, to- like, if you, like, with the podcast with Toby, like, we got our little group. Mm. Toby's in it. Chaz is in it. And it's just, like, you got to be a thick skin. Oh, absolutely. To, like, be around yeah, that, yeah. that group. And Toby... For whatever, Toby cops it because he's just a kook. Like yeah. he's Toby Price, but he's bloody, he's a kook in the best way. <laughs> and the, we just give it to him, eh? So like my life's mission that night was to beat Toby. Yeah, yeah. And like, how'd you go? Yeah, I ended up beating him. <laughs> but he he was so pit. And Chad's like, oh, I couldn't believe it. Like I'm be like, yeah, I can drive a go kart, all right. Man, he was putting like six seconds yeah. into us. Like it was full on. Mm. And I, I'd never driven go-karts and stuff. And I've been around like, so Toby, right? You go, if that guy can win Dakar, he's probably pretty good in a go-kart. Mm. But then like, that's not even close to the level Chaz is on. Yeah. And yeah. like to see that. But yeah, so I'd, I'd come around and, and Toby's just done this full straight line. Just yeah. to, There was like two corners to go and he's just gone and yeah. I'm giving him the finger on the way around drifting. <laughs> and oh man, he missed me by like yeah, yeah. millimetres from just pumping me out. That's eh? generally how we work. If you if you can't win, you then start to oh. revert to dirty tactics. And he was he would have absolutely smoked me yeah. if he got me too. <laughs> but like seeing Chaz do what he was doing around yeah. like because it's the they're like drift cars yeah like you can't even steer the things mm. you have to but i was just like dude to put six seconds into a group of dudes that were like it's not like we're squids in, you know <laughs> what i mean like we're not just mostly but i was like six seconds dude it's a 40 second lap time yeah it was full on eh? but i think like people don't get with the race car side of it too like i've just been up in cairns and um we there's a pretty cool little go-kart track mm. and in those like higher cards, you can pretty much hold it flat the entire way. Yeah. The, like you don't have to lift the pedal, no. but that's not going to give you the fastest lap time. No. So I think for most punters, you're thinking, oh, all you've got to do is just hold it on more than the next dude. Well, it's not the case. No. And especially in like a V8 supercar, like if you just held the pedal to the ground, but there's like, I was doing lap times and, and I was going there enough to where I'm like, in my head, I'm like counting laps. So I'm like, all right, this lap, I'm going to go like push super hard lap two i'm gonna try and do like a smooth yeah lap three and i was like keeping in my head yeah. these laps and i got my lap sheet and it it's such a gift to know what is actually faster because yeah. it's like a the old saying feel isn't real yeah so you might feel you're doing something but without that lap time to tell you so like a dude like Chaz, that's in the moment with all those guys around him 
and he's feeling his way around the track mm. to know what is faster and feel that it's just like it blows your yeah, mind no, it's and good when you put that you get those nuances like i i wish people could do a better job of like analyze and like getting that message across because i think especially with rugby league you could say the same thing it's like unless you're really on the field you, it's so hard to like love is in the details mm. and if you're in that top one percent of the population like a v8 supercar driver or a rugby league player there's these one percent you're mastering that the general population doesn't even know exists yeah well the thing you know again the thing that whether it's rugby league or, or, or car race you actually got to slow your mind down you want to go as fast as you can but when you're thinking you want to think as slow as you can and and you know you know, footy's the same. Uh, you, you see, yeah, it's a high, it's a high velocity. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of pressure. Adrenaline. Everything's going. Adrenaline's going. There's body contact. It's happening really fast. But the good ones slow their mind down and can sort of take a, a, a little, a different approach instead of going. Bang, you know, you got the head down. Actually, sort of put their head up, slow their mind down, look. and have a look. You know, car racing's a bit the same. You know, particularly on one lap shootouts, etc. There's all eyes are and on Chaz you. You're going as fast as you're, you're going as fast as you can, but you're just fixated on what you're doing and what the car's doing, and you slow your mind down and you just get it done. Um, and and you know, uh, pressure I mean, holding your nerve in that situation is tough. Well, you see, dudes like um, you're not a massive golf fan, but that's like my thing. And I was watching there was a playoff the other day, and Jason Day was in the, the yeah, playoff. Yeah. And they'd played like six playoff holes. And then he's, it's in that situation. And they're like, they said what club he's pulling. And I know what clubs I hit certain distances. Mm. You know what I mean? And he pulled like a pitching wedge from 160 yards away from the flag. Mm. And if that's me, I'm pulling like an eight or yeah, an yeah. eight or a seven iron. But he, and like he would normally, his yardage would probably be like 150 for a pitch, like a hard pitching wedge. Yeah. But he's, calculating the adrenaline that he is gonna hit that shot with yeah. because he knows that Either he doesn't that. have the like he knows that's going through him and he's like well i'm gonna hit a full shot and this is gonna be a full yeah. shot so even like you can't in that moment you're not even gonna hit a controlled one because there's so much shit going through your body. yeah either that or his caddy's giving him the go ahead <laughs> yeah but it's like but, yeah. when, when you like how much that yeah. adrenaline affects you well i mean that, that, that's a prime example in playoff on a in a major or something and you've gone to the sixth hole and you're thinking you just got to hold your nerve and you've got to trust the process yep. you've got to trust your instincts trust your process and, and get the job done the thing i can't get about golf and i appreciate what they do it's it's it, why cannot the 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 crowd heckle in every professional sport yeah, you I'm have with you golf and tennis the Two of the highest paid sporting because arenas. It's a sport for gentlemen, oh, Corey. Stop. It's a sport for it gentlemen. It does my head in. I've lined up from a kick at goal on the sideline and copped everything by the kitchen sink. <laughs> and these guys are teeing off getting paid multi millions to do it. And yeah. they, it, quiet, please. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, no, that, wait, that'll I agree. do me. Have you, Bring Heckle back into sport for those. Bring it in. It's, oh, I agree. Have you seen um, the 16th hole at Phoenix? It was on, on just last weekend. No. Right? So Oakley builds this, I say this all the time, like I'm friends with a bunch of those boys. Mm. And like, the thing is, man, that people don't understand too. Like if I play golf with Ricky Fowler, we are fucking blasting music mm. like and talking mm. shit, filming. Like 
and he can still shoot a 66 yeah. whilst doing that. So what? it's like, but in particular in Phoenix, right? They build a stadium around one of these par threes. Yeah. There's 25,000 people in it. And they play music, the crowd, like they hold the signs up and no one gives a fuck. Yeah, right. They just send yeah, it still. That, that's how. And that's how, but they get uh, one day attendance, the Saturday attendance for this year was 221,000 wow. people. 221,000 yeah. people at Br- one golf bring, course. Bring music, bring booze, bring good times into a sport and everyone's going to turn up. How easy is it? It's simple. But I mean, that's what I don't, they're professional athletes, you know. Oh, I agree. I reckon, I reckon it'd be interesting to see as a as an experiment if you did a, a round of eighteen with the same players, and she's just you know that shoot the same you, scores hundred percent. You reckon hundred percent? I don't reckon that'd be the case. Are going to be some individuals that are tee off when they get there? Would be some dudes that, that would just yeah. they, they can't deal with it yeah. because they don't they never had to have dealt with it. The thing that like I've got, I've got some thoughts on, on just sport across the board <laughs> at the moment because what is fair. In sport, right? I, to me, the definition of fair is the same for everybody. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. So I think that when you say your golf thing, right? Yeah. If everybody's dealing with it, that's fair. It's fair. So like, what's the problem? If it's better for the sport, don't pander to the athlete because the athlete's always going to want it as easy as possible. Couldn't agree more. So that's fair. Yeah. And then so with, there's a big thing at the moment in the UFC with, with drug testing and yeah. stuff, right? Dude, everyone's going left and right. Dude's getting popped for drugs. To me, is it fair, right? So do you follow the UFC at all? No. Nah. All right, so there's a dude, Tyrone Woodley, yeah. black dude, yeah. freak of nature, freak. Never touched a steroid or a drug in his life. The dude has like glutes, like his ass looks fake, man. <laughs> like he's just that yeah. big. So, like, if you test, did a blood test on him mm. and you saw his testosterone and HGH levels, because that's what's responsible for muscle growth, mm. they would be, like, they would, me, they would make me look like mm. one of your daughters yeah. in terms of the level of chemicals yeah, that's sure. falling through his body. So, is that fair? So, you fight at, like, a 170, this guy fight. So, then you've got, like, this scrawny white dude that fights at 170. Is it fair if his chemicals in his body that are causing him to grow are... Uh, so like off the charts more yeah, yeah. than this guy so then if so this guy could do like a full course of HGH and um, yeah. testosterone no it's not fair and, it, and to get him to that level no so, way so that's what that's what I want like well, what that, is fair that's not fair because it's it's well it's not natural what do you mean well sorry if he's if inge- the white if, the, if, if he's injecting to, to get to a level of you know a, gift that um the other guy has that's not fair but is it fair that that guy should have that gift? Well, he doesn't have to shouldn't? sign up no i agree with that he's got a choice but it, i think it's a complicated like if i'm going into a battle and i'm going in an arena and i know that there's people in that arena that are just off the chart genetically mm. and i know that i'm sort of going into a, a bit of an ambush i probably won't go into it yeah um you know it's there is uh genetics in, in you know you know in in native you know americans yeah. like you don't see uh an aussie like a, a you know a white skinned aussie on, on a 100 meter aussie, line yeah, aussie marshall and lynch that's yeah. that's that's just what happens it, genetically we don't have the fast twitch fibers they have so we can't do it yeah we'll yeah. run fast we'll run a 10 but that'll be about it 
we're not running what a Usain Bolt six foot six can do. Yeah. So, you know, that's why people cheat. That's why people because they want to a be better or be the best at what they can do. But I've always thought from a professional sportsman's perspective, if you did cheat or inject or whatever to win, does it end up becoming you just believe the lie that you're living and you enjoy that euphoria, how it was, or at some mm. stage when you lie down at night, you go, you know what, like I I was cheating. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I've never done it, but... Yeah, I think you know, that... I mean, the Lance Armstrong's a, is a... But then, like, so when you look at Lance, when everyone in that, like, this is... You can't say everyone. Well, not everyone, but when you say, say you get, like, you'd have to go a ways back to find people that weren't, right? Yeah. So I guess my problem with the Lance thing is that there's people making money off that tour, right? Mm. And the reason people watch the tour is because it's, like, universally agreed mm. upon as like the hardest thing a human can do yeah so if you look at the tour that started back in yeah you know the early part of the century it wasn't the same mm. so then they've kept pushing the limits of what these guys can do and when i think there was a case where they they turned a blind eye to it when it wasn't an issue because they were like man we can push these freaks so hard now and we can make the tv we can do these climbs that are just like not human so then I think there was a certain level of like the athletes were taken advantage of mm. for the sport. And I think that you sort of see it a little bit in the NFL. Like I actually wanted to ask you this about the NFL. Like I, I love the NFL now because I've spent so much time in the mm. US and I, I get it. I, I'd never got it when I was mm. here. But you look at the concussion stuff in mm. the NFL. You want to, you know, how many concussions are in rugby league? Well, Barely any. Well, now there's, they've, they've had a big reaction to off the back of i suppose the nfl yeah. but we're not hitting heads like how many times would you have been knocked like knocked out in your career oh i'd never been knocked clean out yeah i'd, I'd been content and you're a guy that got paid to run the football yeah but we don't we don't body. have a helmet on exactly so you take the helmet off yep. those guys are you gonna say can you run as hard as you can at that guy with the head hallelujah no i've been saying that to americans like since i've Wait, that's the difference like you 100%. put a helmet on and all of a sudden we're invincible yeah Take the helmet off and no, no, I'm not doing that. I got bloody, it's going to hurt my head. So I think that there's a similarity between what the NFL's doing mm. with the, so like they say, oh, let's make the helmets better. Why? So the guys can hit each other harder without it hurting yeah. that way. And it's even like, but it would change, like fundamentally change the game. Yeah. So I think that there's a level where the NFL was going, look, if we took the helmets away, you wouldn't get the concussions. Yeah. But we're not going to take the helmets away because then the big hits would stop. And then like... Well, they like, wouldn't. But they would... It'd be different. Yeah, there'd be a change in, in their approach. But yeah. the hits would still be the same. Yeah. I've seen some pretty big hits in our sport. Oh, for sure. But I think that what you're getting is like the dudes that go in. And like the, the problem that I have with it is like I got taught how to tackle mm. as a kid. What's mm. the first thing you get taught in rugby league? Mm. Man can't run without his legs. Mm. I watched the Super Bowl mm. on Monday where a guy scored a touchdown and this this was the tackle from a professional mm. from a professional and I'm like mate yeah. go to like go to a Broncos training camp learn how to like the the guys the the games moved so far away from even like tackling it's just it's just hits and it's this yeah so and it, but getting back to the I guess the um 
the Tour de France thing. Like that UCI, the commission that runs the mm. Tour de France, they were like happily, happily taking advantage. And they're like, look, we're going to make it hard, like really hard because people want to see that. Whatever you guys have to do to finish it, we'll turn a blind eye. Yeah. And then it comes out and then they go, oh, we don't condone this, blah, blah, mm. blah. And then they still force these athletes to do almost an impossible task. And you're seeing like the, the times haven't been as good. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're seeing so many crashes. Like this year, everyone crashed out of the tour. So I think that there's a problem with, I guess, taking advantage of athletes and not respecting their the, the human boundaries. And like you were saying before, sports just get better and better and better. But at what point are we going to go, this is what the human body can do. And if you're asking more of it, you're taking yeah. advantage of these guys yeah well, look i i think you know sports science in general has, has improved and you know i look at 100 meter race for example you know we'll usain ran a was a 956 or 965 something like are that, that, I, that I thought they were in the eights now no they're no, not no way but that's a good question like in 10 years time yeah they're gonna get better where are we at or if you had a, a, a player, a, a athlete that was juiced up to his eyeballs, where could he get at? Yeah, yeah, it's. But yeah, that's so. That's where where with me, I'm like when when people say, and I this is a good thing for just the whole blanket of society is it's like in sport you're like well we've got to make it fair, mm. and it's like well it, sports not fair. Mm. It's not fair that Tyrone Woodley is born with like this power to weight ratio that's that is the same as other dudes that are on juice but he's born like that Mm -hmm. that's not fair so then i think that yeah they're they're saying like we need to make sport but what you're saying is that it's whatever you're at naturally but then i think that that moves into this whole like a quality of outcome uh, argument it's like should there be a quality of outcome or should it be the guy that gets a chance like the nba no one's blowing up that there's no white people in the nba it's because that's the genetic makeup that produces the people that can execute getting yeah. a basketball and a hoop better yeah like well, natural selection no that's right i mean there is a sprinkle it's a couple. from here to there but <laughs> i mean yeah it's, it's it is what it is um you know if if genetically well you don't see many um vietnamese yeah you wouldn't see any vietnamese playing the nba because genetically they're not built that way yeah um yeah, so no. Look, I'll never sway against the fact. Look, I'm very anti-drug, and and if you know, I don't care. You get given the cards you get, you're given. You try and um, do what you can, maximize them, maximize them, and then go from there. Look, if I'm five foot five, and and unfortunately, you're not playing basketball. You're not playing professionally. You're not playing um, a lot of things professionally. But it doesn't mean you can't succeed. Hmm. You know, find something that you, you love. And if you if you know, Muggsy Bugs, what was he, 5'8"? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you remember him? No, who's that? Are you serious? Who Muggsy Bugs, basketballer. He used to play for I Charlotte. Don't even, I don't even watch basketball now. He was the smallest ever. He could dunk as well. I'd uh, say, so, yeah, there's a there's lot of There's a people. couple dudes. Like, oh, what's Alfie his? Langer, for example. Yeah, he perfect. Small guy. Um, yeah. Heart like Farlap. Yeah. And, and did his job. Did he did what he had to do. Um, so, yeah, it, what you mentioned earlier in the podcast, as humans, if you if there's a mountain, you can go around it because it's easier. That's what's going to happen. Same thing with drugs in sport. If if someone said, "Here, take this," you're going to be better and stronger or whatever. I'm not going over it. I'm going around it. Mm. Not me personally, but that's what the mentality of people of 
that are uh, you know privy to that sort of stuff are, are going to do because it's easier, instant success. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you said that about the the NFL with the helmets. Like I just have that argument so much with people. I'm like, man, they they're allowed. Like if we went in and did that in rugby league, like there's a technique. And what happens is when you see guys that execute a tackle with their <clears> head <throat> on the wrong side, or like of the body and mm. the shot, like you're going to sleep. Yeah, but that's a mistake that you've made. That's right. Like that's poor technique. Yes. Like there is a way to tackle. Yeah, and and like I try and tell that to people, and they just get so attached to this idea. Yeah, and and I'm just like, mate, like watch some football, like yeah. watch rugby league, and you'll see that there is a well, way uh, to take a big dude down. Yeah, well, I, I could be wrong, but and I'm, there's, I, there's I'm, no threat I'm, of an offload. I'm either. not. I'm naive to the to to NFL. I don't watch it, but I'm sure they don't. Give them tackling techniques Mm-mm. as opposed uh, like what you just mentioned. Their technique would be stop, smash, smash them, stop yeah. them. You take the helmet off; they're not doing what they're doing. That's just simple. Because so, you have to sleep. Yeah. So anyway, what time do you got to get out of here? Yeah, now. All right, mate. Hey, I really enjoyed this. This was awesome. Just no, to, it's too uh, easy. Yeah, appreciate it, and we'll we'll try and do it again. Maybe you and Jazz. Sounds good. That'd be interesting. That one. <laughs> oh, yeah, get a bit weird. That one. All right, mate. Appreciate it, Corey Parker. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you, mate. Cheers.